0: Invisible Choir explores detailed depictions of violence and murder and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Listening, watching, reliving every moment from so many different angles. It feels so real all over again.
1: On the evening of Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, Austin, Texas police responded to a 911 call after a woman named Caitlin Cash arrived home to find her friend's legs hanging out of the bathroom door. I just walked in and she's lying on the bathroom floor and there's blood everywhere. I can't tell what's happened. I think she's throwing up. During the 911 call, Caitlin was heard begging dispatch to send help stating that her friend's brains were, quote, leaking out of her head.
0: Her unconscious on the ground is behind this
1: location. Before officers arrived, the dispatcher instructed the caller to turn the victim to her side in order to clear her airway before laying her on her back and to immediately begin administering chest compressions. Once authorities made entry to the home at 1708 Maple Avenue, They quickly-located Caitlin Cash delivering CPR to a female victim, a woman who appeared to have suffered multiple gunshot wounds to the head and chest. EMS rushed in to take over, but tragically, only minutes after police arrived, the victim, soon identified as 25-year-old professional cyclist Anna Mariah Wilson, was pronounced dead at the scene at 10.10 p.m., just seven days before her 26th birthday. Anna Mariah Wilson, more affectionately known as Moe, was born on May 18, 1996, in Littleton, New Hampshire. Her parents, Eric and Karen, raised Moe and her brother, Matt, roughly 40 miles north in the quiet town of Burke, Vermont. Their father, Eric Wilson, was a former U.S. Olympic alpine skier who placed 17th at the 1979 Men's World Cup, Moe's Aunt Laura was a two-time Olympic cross-country skier. Needless to say, the family's passion for winter sports ran deep, and that passion was handed down to Moe from an early age. During her high school years at Burke Mountain Academy, she became a top competitor in soccer, cycling, and downhill skiing, all while maintaining a competitively high GPA. Though she grew up mountain biking, Mo Wilson showed every indication of following in her parents' footsteps. She'd placed in several renowned ski competitions, including third place in the 2013 U.S. National Championship Downhill event during her junior year of high school. Mo very well could have become an Olympic skier herself had it not been for two major ACL surgeries. Lisa Lynn, editor of Ski and Ride magazine, later told a local Vermont publication how Mo Wilson's coach used to take his students to train with her and that more times than not, she would outpace everyone, including the top male downhill skiers in her class. In 2019, she graduated from the Ivy League institution of Dartmouth College, earning her bachelor's degree in engineering. After college, Mo made the decision to focus less on skiing and more on her true passion. Cycling. Her father, Eric, said that essentially lived in the gym during that period, working as hard as she possibly could to build back muscle after suffering what some would have considered career-ending injuries. She was dedicated to becoming a true competitor in the sport, and her parents fully supported their daughter's new athletic dream. Her mother, Karen, happened to be a cycling instructor in Vermont, and was able to connect her daughter with a proper coach. Less than two years later and seemingly out of nowhere, Anna Mariah Wilson burst onto the scene and in just two years' time, was well on her way to becoming the number one gravel cyclist in the world.
0: It is all mariah wilson as she is snaking through into the finish of the lifetime grand prix presented by mazda this is mariah wilson the winner of round one of the 2022 lifetime grand prix
1: gravel racing is a style of cycling that combines the features of both road and mountain biking an all-terrain race if you will with tremendously long stretches of unpaved gravel roads that are usually about 100 miles long but sometimes even more. The previous audio clip was taken from the Seattle Fuego 80K women's race where Mo Wilson took first place in April of 2022. Due to her immense endurance, Wilson was able not only to compete in these events, crossing streams, scaling up hills and dodging boulders. She was able to win and quite often at that here she is at the finish line after the big win at the Seattle Classic in Monterey, California.
0: Mo Wilson, Mo, phenomenal race. I have to say you kind of came out of nowhere at the end for at least for us here in the venue. We were watching the live timing all day, and you weren't leading through any of this of the splits. So to see you come across the end in the lead is just phenomenal. So congratulations, first of all. Thank you, Thank you so much.
1: Mo was equally charismatic as she was humble. While learning how to maneuver through the fame that comes with being a new professional rider, she also somehow managed juggling a full-time job as well. She worked as a company planner for Specialized Bicycles, where she worked helping to strategize product to consumer demand, all for the company who also happened to be one of her primary sponsors. In fact, the very first bicycle Mo ever rode was a Specialized at age seven. Here she was less than 20 years later, both employed and riding for the very same company, quite literally living her dream.
0: I work kind of weird hours. I have an interesting schedule. I would not call it a typical nine to five. But yeah, I feel really grateful to have the support of, you know, my manager, my team and everyone that I work with. So it's great. Well, I definitely wasn't trying to get you in trouble with your manager, but really exciting to see you putting a new twist on work-life balance. So, Mo, super duper congratulations. I cannot wait to see what you're able to do at the next stop in Emporia, and I hope you can just really soak up this win. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you.
1: This was Mo Wilson's second to last race before she was gunned down in her friend's East Austin apartment roughly one month later. Her last race was the 137-mile Belgian Waffle Ride. She won that competition as well, beating her second-place opponent by over 25 minutes. An astounding feat by any measure. Once investigators analyzed the crime scene, three 9mm shell casings were discovered both in the kitchen and in the bathroom near the victim's body. An autopsy eventually revealed that the victim, Moe Wilson, had been shot once in the right side of the face with an exit wound discovered at her left jaw. The second bullet indicated an entry wound to the right temple before the third shot was fired directly into her heart. In addition, one of the first bullets grazed her index finger, more than likely a defensive wound from when Mo was first shot there in the kitchen and before falling back into the bathroom where her body was ultimately found. When Caitlin Cash was first interviewed by police the night of the murder, she informed them that Mo Wilson's specialized gravel bike had been stolen from the home as well. It wasn't long before authorities located that bicycle just 20 yards away, discarded and seemingly covered up by thick bamboo in the side of the yard. Caitlin Cash went on to explain to investigators that she had just picked Mo up from the airport the day before she was killed on May 10th. She said that Mo flew in from San Francisco and had plans to stay the week at the apartment in preparation for a competition scheduled for that same weekend. The 157 mile race was set to take place on May 14th in Hyco, Texas, roughly two hours north of Austin with Mo Wilson favored to win. Tragically, Anna Mariah Wilson was stripped of the opportunity to cross the finish line that day or at any competition in the future for that matter. After she was gunned down by an unknown attacker in cold blood, according to Caitlin Cash, the last time she saw Mo was at around 5:30 at p.m. the night of May 11th. She said that she left her home for a dinner reservation, but not before saying goodbye to her friend. And earlier that day, Mo had mentioned that she also had plans that evening. She was supposed to meet a friend that night to go swimming at a nearby pool. Later that evening, Caitlin Cash received an alert on her cell phone at approximately 5.55 p.m., notifying her that her front door had been locked. To Caitlin, this just indicated that her friend Mo had left at the time, like she had previously stated. Caitlin also advised police that she provided Mo with a unique code to get in and out of her apartment, a code that only Mo knew. While at dinner, Caitlin Cash received another notification, notification, indicating that her apartment door had been opened at approximately 8.36 p.m., suggesting, of course, that it was just Mo and that she'd simply returned home before her. But what struck Caitlin as odd, however, was that that front door was never locked again. She knew this because she didn't receive a notification on her phone. Roughly an hour and a half later, Caitlin returned home herself just before 10 p.m., only to discover the grisly crime scene and one of her best friends— lying lifeless on the bathroom floor. After obtaining surveillance footage from Caitlin Cash's neighbors, one vehicle in particular eventually caught the eye of investigators. It was a dark-colored 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. The SUV, with a distinguishable bike rack attached to the rear and luggage compartment on the roof, was seen on camera a number of times in the general area of where the murder took place. Authorities also managed to recover footage of the Jeep driving slowly past Caitlin Cash's home earlier in the day, and again approximately one minute after Mo Wilson returned to the residence at 8.37 p.m. Surveillance video also showed that very same Jeep parking in an adjacent alleyway at 8.41 p.m., approximately 49 feet from the crime scene. Though no one was seen exiting the vehicle or entering Caitlin's apartment the night of the murder... Investigators eventually recovered perhaps the most important surveillance content of all. But it wasn't video. It was bone-chilling audio, believed to be Anna Maria Wilson's very final moments alive. The neighbor's security camera was pointed in the opposite direction. However, it clearly captures what was believed to be Mo Wilson's screams, followed by three gunshots, which were fired at approximately 9.15 p.m. on May 11, 2022. When authorities got around to asking Caitlin Cash, who Mo was out with, swimming that day, she told them it was a fellow professional cyclist, a 36-year-old man from Austin, Texas, named Colin Strickland. Hello, Colin. Tell me about yourself, Colin. Uh, My name is Colin. I'm from Austin, Texas, and uh, I race bikes. Colin, you do more than race bikes. I've seen you with some very impressive results lately, including the Rift gravel race. Yes, beautiful event in Iceland uh, a few weeks ago. Highly recommended. How about uh, tomorrow's steamboat gravel? Looks like another gorgeous course. Uh, Good distance for me. Nice and rolling. A bit of climbing, a bit of descending, and... Uh, I, like the, I like the tire choice for this one. It's somewhere between 35 and 40, which is a, a pleasant area. That's Strickland being interviewed at a gravel event in Colorado back in 2019. However, he was about to face an entirely different line of questioning, not by reporters, but by homicide detectives. When authorities arrived at his house the day after the murder, in the driveway was a black 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee, one with a bicycle rack on the rear and a luggage rack on the roof. When police asked Colin Strickland who that Jeep belonged to, he said it belonged to his girlfriend who also lived at the home. It was 34-year-old Caitlin Marie Armstrong. This episode is proudly brought to you by Squarespace. You guys, I've been using Squarespace for years to build beautiful websites and online stores, including at choir.com. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs and content creators to stand out and succeed online. You can build beautiful websites that are responsive for both desktop and mobile devices. And look, they've got an amazing suite of features built right in to make the process seamless and easy. And if you don't want to start from scratch, you can use one of Squarespace's beautiful professional website templates with these flexible specialty designs for just about every category you can quickly edit the templates to fit your brand idea or business on every device. They've also got built in email campaigns, so you can easily collect email subscribers on your site and drive sales and engage your audience easily. And with Squarespace's blogging tool, which we use all the time, by the way, you can share stories, photos, videos and updates and even tag and categorize your posts to make the content work for you. Now we use this over at invisible to organize all podcast episode posts. They then automatically populate on our main page. You guys, it's super easy, and it's one of the many reasons why I love Squarespace and have been using them for years. So, if you're interested, head on over to squarespace.com slash choir to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain using code choir. That's squarespace.com choir, C-H-O-I-R. This episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, as the holiday season approaches this year, there's one thing I can always count on in my family. When it comes to gift giving, everyone exchanges each other's information, describes exactly the things they want within the allowable price range, and then bam, that's what you get. Now, I personally find that approach just a tad boring, and I personally prefer a bit more of a surprise, but hey, Aunt Edna's hand-knitted socks aren't for everyone. The holidays are a great time for gifting to others, but when it comes time to define how you give to yourself... Consider therapy. Now, I've used therapy for a variety of reasons over the years, including to help develop positive coping skills and to set boundaries with some difficult family members. And what better a time than when you're all crammed into the same space for the holidays? If you're thinking of starting therapy, consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And the part that I love is there's no waiting room. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Invisible Choir today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Invisible Choir. Kaitlyn Armstrong was an Austin, Texas-based real estate agent, yoga instructor, and cyclist. However, when it came to biking, she was more of an enthusiast of the sport than anything. A weekend warrior, if you will. And not nearly as talented as her boyfriend, Colin Strickland, or the victim, Mo Wilson. Armstrong and Strickland met on a dating app back in 2019. They became a couple soon after and later moved in together in 2021. When Colin Strickland voluntarily agreed to come down to the police station for further questioning regarding Mo Wilson's murder, he told authorities that he and the victim were formally introduced at a cycling event in October of 2021. According to Colin, it was around this time when he and his girlfriend Caitlin broke up for a brief period, at which point his casual romantic fling with Mo Wilson began. He claimed that the relationship with Mo was short-lived and that they had dated for less than a month, at which point he and Caitlin started dating again. However, despite what Colin Strickland was telling investigators, it turns out he was more involved with Mo Wilson than he was letting on. His girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong, was well aware of the attractive rising star cyclist. And to put it simply... Caitlin Armstrong wasn't exactly rooting for Mo Wilson at the finish line of any of her local races. According to Colin, Caitlin even confronted Mo on at least one occasion after she called her on the telephone, confirming that she was in fact Colin's girlfriend. He went on to say that at the time Mo Wilson was killed, Colin and Caitlin had just recently broken up again, only this time it was for good. What was odd, of course, was that the two were still living together. Colin and Caitlin had their fair share of problems, to say the least, including business-related matters. Apparently, Colin and Caitlin weren't just in a tumultuous romantic relationship together, but they were also business partners. In fact, Strickland was getting ready to sue his now ex-girlfriend Caitlin after he had lent her some $450,000 for an investment property he never saw a return on. Preliminarily, at least, it seemed as though Moe Wilson inadvertently found herself square in the middle of Colin and Caitlin's relationship, which Colin eventually admitted to investigators he wasn't being honest about. During questioning, he revealed that he lied to Caitlin Armstrong about where he was going the day they went swimming together. He told her that he was just out running errands, telling authorities he did so to avoid what he called, quote, unnecessary conflict. Colin said that he picked Mo Wilson up on his motorcycle at about 5.45 p.m. the night of May 11th from Caitlin Cash's apartment. He said from there, the two went swimming at the Deep Eddy Pool in Austin before hitting a local hamburger spot. After that, Colin said he dropped Mo back off at her friend's house at around 8.30 p.m., and that was that. He advised investigators that he did not go inside Caitlin Cash's residence nor did he see anyone outside of the property at the time he dropped her off. He also explained that, to his knowledge anyway, his ex-girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong, did not know where Mo Wilson was staying at the time of the murder, nor did she know anyone in the neighborhood and had no reason to be in that part of town. Colin elaborated even further by stating he arrived back at his house at about a quarter before nine, following the date with Mo. He also texted his live-in ex-girlfriend slash business partner Caitlin Armstrong a couple of times before she eventually pulled into his driveway at just before 10 o'clock that night. When authorities asked what Caitlin was driving when she arrived home, Collins said it was the Black 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Strickland also made it very clear that he never drove that Jeep. Only Caitlin did, claiming that he only ever drove his BMW motorcycle and the 1998 Mercedes, which were also parked there in the driveway when police first made contact. When asked if he owned any firearms, Collins said that he did. In fact, he indicated that sometime between December of 2021 and January of 2022, he purchased two guns, a Springfield Armory 9mm handgun for himself and a Sig Sauer 9mm for his girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong. These weapons were eventually located inside of Strickland's home after a search warrant was executed. Both weapons were seized and sent off for further forensic testing. As it turns out, Colin Strickland's story checked out. Surveillance video ultimately showed that he was telling the truth with regard to where he was the night Mo was killed, as his motorcycle was seen on surveillance during the times and locations in question. At the close of the interview, Colin Strickland was free to leave. But later on that same night, his so-called ex-girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong, was taken into custody, only not for murder. Interestingly enough, Armstrong was picked up on an outstanding warrant regarding some old theft charges. Investigators learned she'd actually run out on a Westlake, Texas spa back in March of 2018. After receiving roughly $650 worth of Botox injections and never paying the bill. Obviously police could care less about unpaid cosmetic services. Instead, this was their opportunity to sit Caitlin Armstrong down and learn her side of the story regarding the murder of a woman she appeared to be extremely jealous of, 25-year-old Anna Mariah Wilson. When she was brought in for questioning, detectives quickly glossed over the theft warrant and got right to asking Caitlin Armstrong about the homicide. She told investigators that sometime after she arrived back at her and Colin Strickland's home the night Mo was killed, he'd informed her that someone in the cycling community had, quote, passed away. When investigators informed Caitlin Armstrong that the victim was, in fact, someone her boyfriend, Colin Strickland, already admitted to being previously intimate with, Armstrong sat stone-faced and said nothing. When asked if she knew that Colin had gone on a date with the victim just hours before she was murdered, Armstrong became annoyed and rolled her eyes before saying something to the effect of, I didn't have any idea that he saw or even went out with this girl as of recently. When she was confronted with the fact that authorities had video evidence of what appeared to be her Jeep Grand Cherokee, caught on surveillance video the night in question, Caitlin Armstrong had no explanation. The detective then explained that these images, in conjunction with Collins' statements to police, didn't look good in terms of Caitlin Armstrong's classification as a possible suspect. When the detectives presented the idea that maybe she was just angry, went for a drive to cool off, and coincidentally found herself in the same neighborhood that Mo Wilson was killed in, Armstrong nodded her head in agreement but still didn't say anything. She made this gesture several times throughout the interview, but was careful not to verbally deny or admit to anything incriminating. Eventually, she told authorities that she wished to end the interview. And despite the Class B theft warrant, she was eventually free to leave. And despite not having enough to hold her, authorities eventually realized that letting Caitlin Armstrong walk right out of that interrogation room would ultimately become one of Austin Police's biggest all-time regrets. Three days after Mo Wilson was killed, 1,500 riders at the Gravel Locos event honored the fallen cyclist who was supposed to compete that day. Her colleagues grieved openly during a bittersweet memorial held before the race that day in Hico, Texas. Meanwhile, investigators were becoming aware of even more crucial evidence in this downright bizarre case. Specifically, witness accounts from individuals close to Colin Strickland, Caitlin Armstrong, and even the victim, Moe Wilson. Authorities received an anonymous tip from a person who claimed that in January of 2022... They were hanging out with Caitlin Armstrong, at which time the witness claimed that Armstrong had recently learned that Colin was still dating Mo Wilson on the side, even though he and Caitlin were officially a couple again. This, of course, was not how Colin Strickland characterized his relationship with Moe to the authorities. And that anonymous party also claimed that Armstrong was, quote, shaking in anger at the revelation and proceeded to call Mo Wilson on the phone repeatedly. According to the witness, it got so bad that Mo eventually blocked Caitlin Armstrong's phone number. The witness also said that one of the last times Armstrong spoke with Wilson, they distinctly remembered her warning Mo to stay away from Colin. This same source also told investigators that it was around this same time when Armstrong either obtained a firearm or expressed that she was planning to purchase one. In addition, the witness claimed Caitlin Armstrong began following Mo Wilson on Instagram some two months before she was killed. Another witness close to all three parties eventually corroborated the previously mentioned claims as well. And after obtaining Mo Wilson's cell phone records, investigators quickly realized that she was more than likely in the dark. Not only about her and Colin's relationship, but Colin and Caitlin's as well. A text message sent from Moe's phone to Colin after she saw him with Armstrong at a cycling event in January of 2022 suggested this was the case.
0: Hey, so, I would like to talk to you at some point. I had originally texted you on Friday, but appears my texts aren't going through again. This weekend was strange for me, and I just want to know what's going on. If you just want to be friends, which seems to be the case, then that's cool, but I'd like to talk about it because... Honestly, my mind had been going in circles and I don't know what to think.
1: Colin Strickland ultimately left Mo on read before deciding to reply at his convenience about a day later.
0: Hey Mo, I feel shitty for putting you in a position where you don't feel comfortable.
1: On May 17th of 2022, the two weapons found in Colin Strickland's home were tested for ballistics. The results ultimately showed that two of the spent 9mm casings found at the crime scene or positively fired from one of the weapons, specifically the Sig Sauer P365, the same firearm Colin Strickland told investigators he purchased for Caitlin Armstrong months before. By now, authorities had gathered enough evidence to arrest their primary suspect, Caitlin Marie Armstrong. In fact, the same day the ballistics results came back, a warrant was issued, and Armstrong was officially wanted for murder. Authorities tried to locate the 34-year-old yoga instructor and issued a BOLO alert for her 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. However, they were already one step behind. Because Caitlin Armstrong had actually already sold her Jeep on May 13th to a CarMax in South Austin the day after she walked out of that Austin Police Department. The SUV was sold for $12,200. In addition, Caitlin Armstrong immediately deleted all of her social media. It was readily apparent that Caitlin Armstrong had fled, and a manhunt quickly ensued. However, the chase for Mo Wilson's alleged killer would prove to be more difficult and lengthy than law enforcement or concerned friends and family could have ever imagined. This episode of Invisible Choir is brought to you by Wild Grain. Everyone, Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. You already know I'm a fan of convenience. Well, with Wild Grain, every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, and there's no thawing required. Yeah, seriously. The team at Wild Grain just sent me and my wife a new box, and there is so much delicious stuff inside. Let me tell you about it. We got the plain sourdough bread, which we've already made. It's the perfect friend to a batch of homemade soup. But a nice cold Wisconsin winter's day. We also got the sourdough cranberry pecan bread. If you're looking for a little extra punch and flavor, we specifically made that for breakfast and we're still eating from that loaf. It is amazing. Look, I love wild grain for the simple fact it's like having an entire bakery at the ready in your freezer. And the baking process is so easy. You literally put it in for 25 minutes or less. There's no thawing required. Look, they already have a huge selection available. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. If you want a box of all bread, all pasta, or all pastries, you can have it. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash choir to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash choir. That's wildgrain.com slash choir. Or you can use promo code choir at checkout. How do you solve a crime in reverse when you believe that someone was murdered but have no clue who the victim was? We have to do our job and we have to find out who did they kill? If it's possible, how are we going to do that? I'm Jake Halpern, and this is Deep Cover, The Nameless Man. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As police desperately tried to locate murder suspect, 34-year-old Caitlin Marie Armstrong, they quickly realized that after tracking her down would be no small task for a number of reasons. The primary one being that she had access to cash, and a lot of it. But not just from that recent CarMax payout, either. According to Colin Strickland, Caitlin Armstrong had at least a half a million dollars to her name from funds he provided her himself. Armstrong was also believed to have more legitimate funds from flipping houses in the booming Austin, Texas real estate market. Local authorities soon called upon the public for help, asking anyone with information on Caitlin Armstrong's whereabouts to please come forward. She was a realtor. Uh, She was a yoga teacher. Uh, So she had personal relationships here in the Austin area. Uh, We hope that eventually if she had some type of plan that maybe she would reach out to those associates and we would receive a tip based upon that. It wasn't long before the FBI and the U.S. Marshals Service were brought in to widen law enforcement's net expanding this dire manhunt beyond the national level.
0: An international manhunt is underway today for the suspected killer of a top female bike racer. Police say professional cyclist Mariah Wilson was shot dead by 34-year-old yoga teacher Caitlin Armstrong in a fit of jealous rage. The wanted woman allegedly lashed out after learning that her live-in boyfriend, Colin Strickland, had had a secret love affair with the victim. Colin Strickland is also a top-rated professional cyclist.
1: The first real lead came when investigators learned that Armstrong managed to board a plane in Austin on May 14th at 12.30 p.m. She then transferred, taking a connecting flight in Houston before arriving at LaGuardia Airport in New York a few hours later. Authorities were able to recover airport surveillance footage of a woman matching Armstrong's description at LaGuardia. That suspect was seen on camera three days after the murder wearing a COVID mask over her face. She was wearing a blue denim jacket and white pants while holding a yoga mat beneath her arm as she made her way through security. Can't forget the essentials, I suppose. The U.S. Marshal Service subsequently released these images to the public in hopes of locating her. And one major issue was that after checking all of the flight records, with flights leaving the airport she was last seen in, no reservations had ever been booked under Caitlin Armstrong's name, leading the authorities to conclude that she must have been traveling using some sort of fraudulent identification. On May 20th, the U.S. Marshall Service released a wanted poster with Armstrong's face to the public, along with a $5,000 cash reward for anyone with information leading to an arrest. And that's not including an additional $16,000 eventually donated by local police and one very generous anonymous donor, bringing the reward total to $21,000. According to the suspect's father, who spoke with ABC News several days after she fled, his daughter was innocent.
0: I know how she thinks and I know what she believes and that I know that she just would not do something like this. There are a lot of unanswered questions.
1: The fugitive's father also had the following message for his daughter, who by this point was still on the run, now in a completely different country.
0: We love you, Katie, and we are going to figure this out.
1: On May twenty fifth, two 2022, investigators filed another warrant, which ultimately placed Armstrong on the no-fly list. That very same day, Austin police held a press conference to update the public on their investigation, as well as provide their reasoning for letting Caitlin Armstrong walk out of an Austin police station in the first place.
0: Armstrong was mistakenly released from custody on the misdemeanor warrant because her date of birth in our report management system did not match the date of birth on the warrant.
1: The discrepancy didn't make much sense to most people and would inevitably become a controversy of its own into the foreseeable future.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, there was, in our report management system, it did show that Miss Armstrong had a date of birth uh, listed in April rather than in November. Her correct date of birth is actually November. And how did that lead to mistaken made her? So based off of our report management system, we cannot, we cannot simply arrest somebody if there is some sort of a discrepancy, um, meaning that that warrant would not be
1: valid. While authorities attempted to conduct routine damage control, it didn't change the fact that Caitlin Armstrong was still on the run, per usual, the police weren't providing much more information at the time. As weeks slowly turned into months, many began to question the efforts of law enforcement and whether or not Mo Wilson's alleged killer might ever be caught. At least in the eyes of the public, this case was looking like it might go cold. But behind the scenes, investigators were beginning to narrow their focus to San Jose, Costa Rica and surrounding villages in hopes of finally making an arrest.
0: U.S. Marshals announced they were assisting in a search for Armstrong, but the 34-year-old woman has disappeared since her interview with police.
1: While the victim's family wasn't speaking with the media, Mo Wilson's loved ones did eventually release a public statement expressing their profound grief surrounding this devastating loss, but also making it a point to clarify that Moe was not in a relationship with Colin Strickland, or anyone for that matter, at the time of her death. Colin Strickland also released a statement of his own, which read as follows.
0: There is no way to adequately express the regret and torture I feel about my proximity to this horrible crime.
1: By now, Caitlin Marie Armstrong had been on the run, wanted for murder, for a total of 43 days. And when just about all hope truly seemed lost, the U.S. Marshals Service received a tip in late June of 2022. A confidential informant revealed that the suspect had received a ride to Newark Liberty International Airport back on May 18th. That very same day, she boarded a plane from New Jersey to San Jose, but not San Jose, California. She had indeed fled the country, to San Jose, Costa Rica. Caitlin Marie Armstrong had successfully made it out of the U.S. after booking a flight in her sister Christine's name and using her stolen passport. After visiting several yoga studios in the area where authorities believed she may have attempted to start a new life, they managed to track Armstrong down to a hostel called Don John's, where she'd been staying. The open air resort is located on Santa Teresa Beach in Provincia de Punta Arenas, a popular tourist destination where celebrities like Tom Brady and Giselle have been spotted over the years. Don John's also had a yoga studio attached where Armstrong, or Ari, as authorities learned she'd been calling herself, had been teaching locals for several weeks, just as they suspected. Armstrong had also altered her appearance. At the time, a police made contact with the suspect. Her lips were noticeably swollen. She also had a bandage covering her nose, which she claimed to be from a recent surfing injury. With the conjoined efforts of the U.S. Marshal Service, Homeland Security, the Department of Diplomatic Security, and local Costa Rican authorities, 34-year-old Caitlin Marie Armstrong was arrested on June 29, 2022.
0: After 6 weeks on the run, tonight the search is over for murder suspect and fugitive Caitlin Armstrong. US Marshals announcing Armstrong is now in custody. Costa Rican authorities seen in this video holding Armstrong as she awaits deportation to the United States.
1: The day she was captured, the police located several of Armstrong's belongings in one of the hostel lockers. Inside was her actual passport, along with her sister, Christine's, which had a stamp from Costa Rican Customs, dated May 18th. Also in that locker was a prepaid Walmart debit card, a long list of what appeared to be defense attorneys and their contact information, as well as a June 22, 2022 receipt for approximately $6,350 worth of plastic surgery specifically a rhinoplasty nose job, as well as a full facelift. Armstrong also tried to conceal her identity further by cropping her hair to shoulder length and dyeing it from blonde to brown. To her benefit, the photo on her wanted poster and her eventual mugshot look like two completely different women. Caitlin Armstrong was arrested for the illegal use of a passport and was taken to a local jail before eventually being extradited back to Texas where she was soon to face murder charges for the shooting death of 25 year old, Anna Mariah Wilson. After touching down on American soil on July 2nd, Caitlin Armstrong was booked into the Harris County jail in Houston, Texas and ultimately held on a three and a half million dollar bond after pleading not guilty to first degree murder. On July 7th 2022, The U.S. Marshal Lone Star Fugitive Task Force held a press conference, finally revealing to the world just how they managed to track down the international fugitive, who evaded capture for over two long months. The U.S. Marshal Service deployed two United States Marshals to the U.S. Embassy in Costa Rica to assist the Department of State and foreign officials with intelligence on the possible whereabouts of Caitlin Armstrong. During the investigation in Costa Rica, It was learned that Armstrong traveled to multiple destinations to include San Jose, where she landed there at the airport, to Jaco Beach,
0: and to Santa Teresa, Costa Rica.
1: Along with the name Ari, Armstrong had also used the aliases Beth and Liz Martin. When authorities opened the floor for questions, one thing the media wanted to know immediately was whether or not Caitlin Armstrong had any help evading capture. Something that the authorities alluded would have to wait until trial. Uh, we're not going to comment any further as far as if we believe, you know, she had any type of assistance. Uh, but we will eventually, you know, slowly look into that now that she's in custody, and we'll present those facts uh, to the
0: prosecutors in this case.
1: Kaelin Armstrong's murder trial was originally scheduled for June of 2023. However, due to the complexity of this case, proceedings wouldn't begin until months later that fall. These delays came in part the result of several evidence hearings requested by the defense. Armstrong's attorneys attempted to suppress statements she made to police at the time she was first questioned following Mo Wilson's murder. They argued that the police interview should have ended long before it did, after the defendant allegedly asked for an attorney. They also contested that the original affidavit was flawed, filled with lies, and that its contents demonstrated a, quote, reckless disregard for the truth. Ultimately, the judge didn't see it that way and rejected those requests. The defense was, in turn, forced to proceed without this slight advantage. While both sides painstakingly prepared their cases, the media attention surrounding both Mo Wilson's murder and the capture of her alleged killer and arguably reached maximum coverage. Apparently, Caitlin Armstrong became pretty comfortable down in Costa Rica, and when she wasn't doing yoga, witnesses said she could be found enjoying a few cocktails with friends at local bars or lounging around the hostel's common area while on her laptop. What Caitlin Armstrong was searching on that laptop was soon to become crucial evidence at her own trial months down the road. Weeks after her arrest, various US media outlets traveled to Santa Teresa Beach to interview some of the residents who actually interacted with Caitlyn Armstrong while she was in Costa Rica. One of those individuals was a man who claimed he dated the woman wanted for murder, though at the time he says he had no idea. Caitlyn, I know her as Ari. Don't really know Caitlyn or the face. I've seen like the, the Caitlyn. Ari was up strange person but uh, I met her right outside the tattoo shop, uh, Good Life Tattoos and um, her friends were getting tattooed so she was waiting out there on the bench and I was out there having a beer in the lounge and uh, it became apparent to me that she was trying to have a conversation, trying to get to know me. So then I started talking to her more and more and then uh, we ended up sharing numbers and we're gonna hang out later and we ended up hanging out a bunch of times later. And we went on a couple dates but uh, she she said that she had just been through a real traumatizing breakup and she hadn't healed from it yet and wasn't ready to to get close at all. So we were just being friends. Armstrong's former Costa Rican lover then goes on to say that while he was hanging out with her, she often wanted to be in a secluded area where not many people were around. Then in October of 2023, adding to the already overwhelming drama of this case. This happened
0: new details tonight about the attempted escape of a Travis County murder suspect court documents show that investigators believe Caitlin Armstrong planned her escape on Wednesday.
1: On October 11th, 2023, exactly 19 days before trial was set to begin. Caitlin Armstrong made headline news once more when she made a run for it a second time and tried to break out of jail. The escape attempt came during an inmate transfer at eight o'clock in the morning, when she was supposed to attend a doctor's appointment, but somehow managed to briefly escape.
0: An off-duty TCSO
1: has an inmate that's running away from him. Caitlin Armstrong somehow freed herself from one of her wrist restraints. Footage can be seen of her outrunning one of the guards, who eventually falls on their face before she's able to hop a fence and take off. While she was running, the jail staff witnessed Armstrong partially strip off her inmate uniform to reveal thermal pants she was wearing beneath. Perhaps shedding this top layer was one way to achieve a better stride, but also to avoid detection when blending in as a civilian in the event she got away. Luckily, she didn't, and Caitlin Armstrong was caught by police about a block away after a short 10-minute chase. Other indicators that Caitlin Armstrong may have planned this escape was the fact that she complained about a pain in her legs in order to obtain that doctor's appointment in the first place. After reviewing surveillance footage from inside the Travis County Jail, authorities learned that Armstrong had also been working out vigorously leading up to this event. Perhaps training, if you will. Corrections staff also discovered a broken piece of metal in her cell which might well have been the instrument used to free herself from the cuffs. As a result of this unexpected jaunt around town, Caitlin Armstrong was charged with another felony for causing bodily injury to two of the guards. She was also hit with an additional $50,000 added to her existing multi-million dollar bond on the unrelated murder charge. It goes without saying that in terms of her defense, Armstrong wasn't doing herself or her presumption of innocence any favors by pulling this stunt less than three weeks before her murder trial was set to begin. Then on Wednesday, November 1st, 2023, that trial finally began. Cameras were permitted in the courtroom, but only for opening and closing arguments. No witness testimony was allowed to be recorded. The prosecution's stance in this case was simple innocent people don't sell their vehicle, flee the country, undergo complex facial surgery to change their appearance, and attempt to break out of jail. State prosecutor Ricky Jones at one point informed the court that he'd never seen this much evidence against a defendant in all his years practicing law.
0: Defendant Caitlin Armstrong, I told her she stood over her after she shot her in the head twice and put another bullet right in her heart.
1: The ring camera audio of Mo Wilson being shot was indeed played aloud for the jury, the prosecution noting that four to five second pause before the last shot was to Mo Wilson's heart, alleging that Caitlin Armstrong coldly stood over her body to fire one last personal round to her chest from close range. The state also presented a cell phone video of Caitlin Armstrong shooting the alleged murder weapon at a gun range on January 12th in 2022, just four months before the murder. The manager of that range testified in court, stating that Caitlin Armstrong purchased a 50-round box of 9mm ammunition that day. The state also alleged that Armstrong visited the gun range when she was visiting her sister Christine in upstate New York, where the defendant allegedly learned to fire the weapon. Despite all of the evidence, there was also controversy surrounding the defendant's sister, Christine Armstrong, and her potential involvement. However, as far as we know, she was cleared after being questioned by U.S. Marshals. When investigators asked if she knowingly gave her sister, Caitlin, her passport, Christine said, quote,
0: I did not give it to her, so that means she took it.
1: Another anonymous tip did come in at one point to police following the murder. A camper claimed to have seen Caitlin Armstrong at Camp Haven, an off grid sustainable living compound in Livingston Manor, New York, which is where Christine Armstrong allegedly lived. The treasurer of the nonprofit organization that runs Camp Haven declined to comment on whether Caitlin Armstrong was ever on the property. However, given the close proximity to LaGuardia Airport, we'll let our listeners do the math on that particular theory. With all of that being said, Christine Armstrong was not the one on trial. Her older sister, Caitlin, was. The defense chose to harp on the fact that she was never physically seen on surveillance video in the vicinity of Caitlin Cash's apartment the night Mo Wilson was killed. What would be difficult to argue, of course, was the fact that her Jeep Grand Cherokee was. Still, they contested that there was no way of proving that it was actually Caitlin Armstrong driving the Jeep or that the vehicle in question was even hers. However, once the GPS system was removed from the vehicle and the data subsequently extracted, it showed that an address in the same area of Caitlin Cash's residence had been manually typed in. Coordinates then show Armstrong's SUV circling Caitlin Cash's neighborhood very slowly for up to an hour before the killing. The data also showed that Armstrong's Jeep vacated the murder scene at approximately 9.17 p.m., just two minutes after a neighbor's camera recorded the shooting audio from a few houses down. The Jeep's GPS then showed Armstrong's vehicle arriving at Colin Strickland's house at approximately 9.55 p.m. on the evening of May 11th. In addition, the state provided digital evidence indicating that Caitlin Armstrong's cell phone powered down at 7.30 p.m. and did not turn back on until 9.47 p.m. the night Mo was murdered. The defense then pivoted and decided to go another route, proposing that perhaps someone had stolen both Armstrong's Jeep and her phone. However, the state debunked this theory completely by providing text messages sent from Caitlin Armstrong's phone after the murder once it had been conveniently powered back on. These messages were sent to Colin Strickland and related to personal matters such as the ongoing real estate dispute between the two, information that only Caitlin Armstrong would have been privy to, and not some mysterious thief-slash-killer, as the defense was suggesting. More attempts of implanting reasonable doubt in the minds of the jury by the defense were questions like why Colin Strickland's laptop was returned to him eight days after the murder, without ever having the data forensically extracted. They also asked why a rape kit was never administered to Mo Wilson. Needless to say, to no fault of their own, the defense didn't have much to work with. In an act of open desperation just a week into the trial, Armstrong's attorneys also filed a bizarre request for, quote, community supervision, which is, quite frankly, something we've never seen in the middle of a murder trial. What they were asking the judge here was in the event that Armstrong was in fact found guilty and convicted of murder. The defense not only wanted her 99-year maximum sentence thrown out, they also requested that Armstrong be released back to the general public, but under strict supervision of the state. Their argument as to why anyone would qualify for this unique privilege was that Caitlin Armstrong had no prior felonies, Well, at least before that alleged murder, international manhunt, and subsequent jailbreak, that is. Needless to say, this ludicrous request was denied. And aside from the Jeep's GPS data, which was perhaps the most detrimental piece of evidence against Armstrong, there was also proof that she'd actually stalked Mo Wilson leading up to the killing. This was done via a cell phone app called Strava which is predominantly used by runners and cyclists to help track their progress and long-distance cardio. An executive with the company, Strava, became a key witness for the state, testifying that Caitlin Armstrong did in fact use the app to follow Mo Wilson's GPS coordinates from May 9th through the 11th. Most notably, Armstrong checked the victim's activity on the app at approximately 4.54 p.m. the night of the murder, the state argued that the way Armstrong was able to access this personal information was because Moe had not enabled the safety feature on the app, which would have hidden her location to the public. If that weren't enough, there was even more evidence linking Caitlin Armstrong to the crime revealed at trial when the defendant's ex-boyfriend, Colin Strickland, ultimately took the stand. In regards to media attention, these were arguably the most anticipated days of the entire trial. Following the murder of Mo Wilson, Colin Strickland essentially went into hiding. The once-decorated professional athlete was dropped by virtually all of his major sponsors, including Red Bull Specialized Bicycles and more. And on November 3rd and 4th of 2023, Strickland was forced to address what he'd been trying publicly to avoid for the past 18 months, specifically his relationships with both Caitlin Armstrong and the victim, Mo Wilson. An alleged love triangle, the state said, which tragically resulted in murder. In terms of public perception, many viewed Colin Strickland as an unfaithful man, one who used his celebrity to juggle multiple romantic relationships with various women, while attempting to keep them all a secret from one another. The defense took it even one step further by suggesting that perhaps Colin Strickland was the killer and not Caitlin Armstrong. During cross-examination, Armstrong's attorney asked Strickland if he once owned a black SUV similar to the defendant's Jeep sometime before Mo Wilson was killed, to which he replied yes. When they asked him about some psychedelic mushrooms and marijuana found during the search of his home, Strickland said they were Caitlin's drugs, not his. Another point Armstrong's attorneys brought up in an effort to shift blame away from the defendant was that in the days following the murder, Colin Strickland changed his home security passcode not once, but a total of 37 times. In total, Colin Strickland was on the stand for roughly five hours over the course of those two days. He was annoyed and often sarcastic in his responses. When questioned about a different woman from Colorado, who had allegedly sent him a risque photo of herself in a bra, he denied it knowing what the term sexting meant. Colin Strickland's behavior didn't give him much of an advantage in terms of portraying himself as a likable individual to the jury. He wore a medical mask and sunglasses to avoid the media during breaks, and even blocked his face with his hands throughout the proceedings. He also wore the same outfit both days he was in court. Only adding to the theatrics of this case, Strickland actually wound up assaulting two different journalists on two separate occasions— one by shoving a cameraman's equipment to the ground and the other by deliberately walking out of his path to step on another journalist's feet while being escorted out of the courthouse. Here's audio from that particular physical assault. Whether or not Colin Strickland will face assault charges is an unrelated matter and remains unknown at the time of releasing this episode. A former friend of both Caitlin Armstrong and Colin Strickland also testified that he and the defendant shared an iPad and a MacBook. According to the state, Armstrong had been viewing communications between Colin Strickland and Mo Wilson via an iCloud account right up until the moment she was killed. The jury was also informed that nine days before the murder, Caitlin Armstrong logged into both Colin Strickland's Gmail and Instagram accounts using her own personal device. Strickland testified that on one occasion, the defendant had previously taken his phone and blocked Mo Wilson's number. Strickland explained that he proceeded to unblock Mo's number and to change the contact information to a different name, this time using the alias Christine Wall, in order to hide his communications with Mo Wilson from his girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong. With respect to DNA evidence, Caitlin Armstrong's was in fact lifted from Mo Wilson's bicycle, that was found in the bushes near Caitlin Cash's home. Armstrong's DNA profile was specifically found on both the bike seat and the handlebars. The bicycle itself was brought into court and presented to the jury. The defense argued that this particular piece of evidence had not been bagged or properly stored when police first arrived on scene. They argued that it had been haphazardly thrown in the back of a police cruiser after the murder, Suggesting that it may have been contaminated and that there was a distinct possibility of accidental DNA transfer. The defense also presented the possibility that Armstrong's DNA may have gotten on Mo Wilson's bicycle after Armstrong lent Mo Wilson a bicycle helmet back when they were first introduced in the fall of 2021. This, of course, before things turned overtly vile and tumultuous between the two. A DNA expert for the defense testified that this type of biological transfer from one object to the other was a possibility. Colin Strickland also testified that Armstrong did call Mo Wilson herself on October 28, 2021 in relation to that helmet. Of course, convincing the jury of this type of purely coincidental DNA transfer would require an at least potentially feasible explanation. But that explanation seemed to diminish even further when state prosecutors noted that the very same DNA profile found on Mo Wilson's bicycle was also found on Caitlin Armstrong's gun, along with Colin Strickland's, as well as another unknown profile. Further, Caitlin Cash's landlord, who lived on the property and was present the night of the murder, also testified. He stated that he was smoking a bong of marijuana in the garage at the time of the killing and heard footsteps running down a set of stairs, followed by what sounded like a bicycle riding away. However, when asked if he heard the shots, he said that he did not. Again, this man was high at the time, and therefore his credibility came under intense scrutiny. But even more witness testimony came from two of Caitlin Armstrong's best friends, both of whom called 911 sometime after the murder, and told police that they needed to look into the defendant, Caitlin Armstrong. One of the women told the jury that Colin Strickland never classified he and Armstrong's relationship as being, quote, boyfriend and girlfriend. On the stand, the same friend clarified that the relationship between Armstrong and Strickland was, quote, casual, but explained that Armstrong would date other men periodically for the sole purpose of trying to make Strickland jealous. The witness also testified that when she asked Armstrong what she would do if Colin ever became involved in another serious relationship with a different woman, she allegedly responded by saying, quote, "I would kill her." Now, of course, we've all said something to that effect before, maybe not regarding our romantic relationships, but clearly this was meant a figure of speech, though the weight of this comment is questionable. When adding this particular statement to the already overwhelming evidence against Caitlin Armstrong, it certainly doesn't look good. Another thing that wasn't helping her case was her Google searches while on the run, which included multiple searches for information on rhinoplasties and nose jobs, as well as the oddly specific and bizarre inquiry, Can the pineapples burn your fingerprints? A search referencing the long debunked myth that certain enzymes present in pineapples could effectively be used to chemically burn off one's fingerprints. In addition to typing in keywords such as, quote, how tracking one's cell phone works, she also Googled her own name repeatedly, along with the international manhunt and the words Colin Strickland and Mo Wilson into her personal web browser. On November 16th, closing arguments were delivered. And the state drove home the idea that the defendant, Caitlin Armstrong, is the only one responsible for this savage and senseless murder. That very same day, after nearly two weeks of testimony, and after only a few hours of deliberations, the jury returned with their verdict.
0: We, the jury,
1: find the defendant, Caitlin Armstrong, guilty of the offense of murder as alleged in the indictment, signed by the presiding juror. On today's day, two fourteen PM. You may be seated. The day after Caitlin Armstrong was convicted of murdering Mo Wilson, she was sentenced, but not before victim impact statements were read aloud to the court. Cameras were then allowed back in the courtroom for this final portion of the court proceedings. Caitlin Cash, the woman who found Mo deceased inside of her apartment, The evening of May 11th was the first to speak. After Mo was murdered, Caitlin asked to be identified as Cash from that point on. She said that Caitlin with a K is the name of the monster who killed her friend, and Cash now cringed any time she heard her own name. She addressed the horror she witnessed that night, explaining how she administered over 100 chest compressions in a desperate attempt to revive her friend Mo Wilson. Cash said this and much more before the court, all while staring directly into the eyes of her best friend's killer.
0: Caitlin, I want you to know that I fought for Mo with everything I had that night. From the moment that I got home and started doing chest compressions, which was the longest 10 minutes of my entire life, I remember feeling so relieved when the police arrived, that help was finally there, People who really knew what they were doing and who could help me care for her. I fought for her afterwards when I was pulled from my home by police and taken downstairs. I initially refused to go to the police station that night because I didn't want her to be alone. In one of the body cam videos, I say something along the lines of, I can't leave her. I'm the only one she has here. I couldn't understand why they weren't bringing her downstairs to the ambulance so that they could rush her to the hospital. I asked one of the officers why they weren't bringing her down. And that's when he told me that she unfortunately didn't make it. That was the first moment that night when I realized that there was no coming back from this. I think I had just assumed that as soon as she was taken to a hospital that she was going to be okay. It never actually crossed my mind in the chaos of that night that she wouldn't be alive, that she would die, that she was already dead when I arrived home. I was questioned for almost three hours that night. They finally let me wash the blood off my hands in the police station bathroom. And I'll never forget that moment in the bathroom, watching the sink turn red and wanting to put it back on my hands because it was the only thing I had left of her. Your actions caused that pain.
1: Mo Wilson's mother, Karen Wilson, spoke next.
0: Caitlin Armstrong, I'm not sure if my words can penetrate your heart. But I'm gonna try. I hate what you did to my beautiful daughter. It was very selfish and cowardly, that violent act on May 11th. It was cowardly because you never chose to face her woman to woman in a civil conversation. She would have listened. She was an amazing listener. She would have cared about your feelings. She was a caring, empathetic person. If you allowed yourself to actually know her, you never, ever would have wanted to hurt her. This never would have happened. You and Colin could have had a beautiful life together. You destroyed that. You ruined your life, your family's lives, our lives, and crushed the hearts of many more. When you shot Mariah in the heart, you shot
1: On November 17th, 2023, 36-year-old Caitlin Marie Armstrong was sentenced to 90 years behind bars in the state penitentiary and was ordered to pay an additional $10,000 fine for murdering 25-year-old Anna Mariah Wilson. She will be eligible for parole after 30 years. Mo Wilson's father, Eric Wilson, spoke briefly outside of the courthouse that afternoon to address the finality of this case but also to honor his beloved daughter, Anna Mariah Wilson.
0: There really are no winners here. This is not a time for celebration, but a time for prayer. Time to pray for our family, our friends, the Armstrong family, and their friends. This sad story is a perfect example of why integrity and honesty are
1: crucial in our personal relationships, and how dishonesty can often lead to unintended consequences.
0: Selfish manipulation, jealousy, and hatred never lead to positive outcomes. Violence is never a good way to solve personal
1: issues. In fact, violence doesn't solve anything. It only leads to more suffering.